Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When I say these four letters, a lot of times we have a certain image that comes to mind. And the four letters are PTSD. Many of us think we know what it is. We might not be exactly sure what it is and who it affects. We're going to talk about that today. Many of us do go through PTSD. Some of us don't even know that we're affected by it. He is a noted psychologist, and he's back with us. He helps people all the time with that and much more. Dr. Roger Levine is on the program. Roger, welcome back. How are you? I'm great, Steve. It's good to see you again. You too. You too. And yeah, PTSD, why don't we boil it down to the basics here? What is it those letters stand for, and exactly what is it? Uh, Well, it stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. So as the name implies, uh, it's after a trauma and it's all kinds of stress symptoms. And many times when we hear those four letters, many of us associate it with wartime because that's, I believe, back in the day is where that it was brought to light, where a lot of our Uh, people in the military were suffering from that. Would you say that's true? Uh, That's true. Um, And I think more and more people are finding out that there's other ways to get the PTSD. And the reason uh, my clients, a number of them, uh, show up is because they become aware that they're always anxious, always on guard, and quite often irritable. And there's a lot of other potential uh, sources of PTSD besides wartime. I uh, I think we should give examples of that. And I, I'd like to start because I have a friend that has gone through it. And for him, and he describes it as PTSD, and it was diagnosed as well. His And this is a f- number of years ago. His girlfriend had a stroke. And she passed away shortly thereafter. He felt that he could have helped her and her family wasn't doing enough to help her after having the stroke. Um, He goes through challenges. He hasn't even started any new relationships. Again, this is years ago. Um, And he's had to work through that and still occasionally does talk about it. Um, That's just one example. Have you heard examples like that? Or how about some other, you know, challenges that people have? Well, I have, you know, I've, seeing people that have been physically assaulted, uh, a terrible case where uh, one of my clients, her boyfriend was drug seeking. He wouldn't, she wouldn't give him any money. So he uh, taped her ankles and hands and rummaged the house. And of course that was pretty traumatic. Um, Other situations uh, can come from uh, there's a condition called PTSD-C, which is complex, which uh, is getting more and more recognition from where there's uh, emotional abuse uh, over time within like while you were a child or in a relationship. So I think what's more important than whether we label this PTSD or generalized anxiety disorder because lots of times these folks just get labeled with being anxious. I think the hallmark is understanding that being on guard, being hypervigilant, uh, even in situations where you wouldn't need to be, 
Uh, and it can lead to a lot of uh, being tired and exhausted, difficulty with sleeping. Mm. And I think probably another hallmark that people will bring to mind is that they have these intrusive thoughts of uh, that they're just unwanted and they don't fit the situation about the event. Why is it so hard to treat? Uh, it's very hard to treat because it defies talk therapy. The way it's actually created is there's such an intense experience when it's happening, the mind can't make sense of it. And our emotions, what happens is we get a lot of sensations in, we perceive what's going on, and we create a memory. Well, that whole process gets disrupted in PTSD. So what happens is we have just these little snippets of sensations that are related to the terror of the situation. So we get triggered by similar sounds or being in the same kind of place or uh, the same tone of voice of someone. And because our mind never makes sense of it, and therefore it, it becomes much harder to treat. The other issue mm. is that because people are so sensitive to this anxiety that the, in traditional uh, trauma therapy, there's almost a 45% dropout rate. Say that last part again, because that's impactful. Yeah, in typical trauma therapy or a CBT, there's uh, about a 45 to 50% dropout rate. And that's of the people who make it to therapy. You know, there's untold number of people with PTSD who never make it to therapy or believe that they have to use some kind of medication and they're just against medication to deal with it. Why do people give up? Uh, because it, <clears throat> a couple of reasons. One is it does take longer to resolve than a lot of other uh, anxieties. Um, and quite often a couple of years and it, they just mm. simply don't believe it's going to work. And a lot of the systems, whether it be medication or uh, traditional therapy, just uh, aren't in it for that long at all. Wow. What you just said describes my friend because it's been a number of years and he's still not, he's better. He's better uh, considerably, but still, you know, that we talk about it from time to time about what happened. Um, what is the typical course of treatment for somebody that's dealing with trauma? Well, <clears throat> the typical uh, trauma-based or CBT-based therapy is what they call exposure therapy. And this is where uh, we try to get the individual to talk about and try to put together a story so they get exposed uh, to the uh, situation in their mind in a, in a safe place. There's also um, uh, other um, desensitization techniques, one of which is called EDMR. But the problem is that they're all focused on having the person talk about the trauma, which for them, they're doing everything in their power to avoid. And so therapy becomes very intense and quite often intolerable, but it doesn't have to be that way. Now we've, we've all suffered. I want to say all some type of traumas in our life. Some of them have made an impact thereafter. 
How do you know that you're truly suffering from PTSD? Well, again, it's it's uh, it's we give diagnoses to give people proper treatment. Um, so sometimes the labels can also get in the way. Whether is this generalized anxiety disorder or is this PTSD? I think it comes back to uh, of the PTSD, which would be a little different than generalized anxiety often comes with a lot of hypervigilance. Uh, for example, uh, because your mind is always looking for safety, you might be particularly sensitive to the confusion, background noise in restaurants and stop going to restaurants. Or hmm. um, you may not like going around foreign speaking people. Again, you can't make sense out of your environment. Those things are lean more towards the PTSD than just generalized anxiety. Interesting. Um... And also, you'll be keep, instead of anticipating necessarily new and different things with generalized anxiety, you'll have intrusive memories of the event or you'll be intrusively anticipating that event to happen again. What if you have, let me try and explain this. Let's say you have social anxiety and maybe you're going through some therapy. Maybe you're taking some meds for that, but maybe it's connected to something uh, in the past. Um, could it even be your childhood or when you were younger, you know, people used to say certain things to you and now you have a fear of somewhat being in public or being around a larger group of people could that be categorized as PTSD? Well, it may be, but usually not. What what may happen to you, though, say you were a child and you had a parent with an anger problem. And when they got so angry, they were unpredictable. So as a kid, you're thinking, this this person could, could really hurt me. It could, could really injure me. They're out of control. And it's the that's what creates the trauma. Now, if you had a parent who was just, say, hypercritical and you couldn't do anything right, that might lead to more social anxiety than the uh, characteristic of PTSD. Uh, the, the difference is that if it's your parent being hypercritical, you can go back and you can make sense of why maybe you have social anxiety or fear of criticism of others, right? And it's reasonable. You you, uh, you you know how it relates to your experience. And once you put the two pieces together, you can make a few changes and you're going to be fine. But if you were actually traumatized by that angry parent, what happens is the brain couldn't make sense out of it then. So you have the fragments of that event hanging out as the tone of somebody's voice or maybe a mannerism or some words they would say and you would get you know profoundly triggered when somebody else did that and it wouldn't necessarily make sense in the context of where you were triggered is a is a great word it's a big it's a big point of of everything that we're talking about when somebody gets triggered by something are there instances of PTSD that are smaller so it might not be big or are we just talking about anxiety in general well i think you know the whole uh 
issue with diagnosis comes back to how well you function, right? And there's degrees of anxiety. Mm. And when they start impairing our functioning, uh, we want to get it treated. So if we have any kind of anxiety, regardless of whether it's social anxiety, generalized anxiety, or um, PTSD, we want to get the treatment for that. I will say that the majority of my clients will have more than one type of anxiety. Hmm. And could that be a patient could have diagnosed PTSD for this one situation, but also suffer from different types of anxiety on the other side over here? And that's what happens quite often with, with, with clients. They come in with whatever their problem of the day is, right? So they'll say, oh, I'm having some trouble with fear driving or um, social anxiety. You know, I'm afraid of being criticized. And that will be the, the focus. But with myself, when I have a client that goes beyond 12 weeks and there's still something going on, then I have to start looking for other things because either PTSD or even a personality, strong personality traits can keep people from getting better. I suggest to all my clients, if you don't see, you know, significant improvement in six weeks from any doctor, uh, he's probably an expert, but maybe not an expert at what you have. You should start seeing large gains in the first six to eight weeks. And if not, then you got to start looking, hey, there may be something a little deeper underneath that. Hmm. What are your thoughts on medication for somebody dealing with PTSD? Well, again, the issue with PTSD is that um, medication can help as a bridge, um, but it's something you want to get resolved because you don't want to carry it or the medication probably for the rest of your life. In your experience, Roger, how many, let's go with a percentage, how many people are on a medication that are suffering from PTSD? Is it typically, hey, you know, 60% to help them at least bridge, at, you know, at the, at the moment in dealing with it? What number would you put that at? Well, it definitely depends on who you go see. If you see uh, a physician of any kind, it will be 100%. Okay. Uh, I was just curious, you know, when in, in terms of you treating, how many of those people are on that, you know, on a medication? Now, now the ones that come to me, more often than not, they've worked on some other anxiety uh, with another therapist for a long time, and they, they're they having some trouble. Or, you know, they come to me, you know, fresh, in which case uh, I would still send them to a uh, physician to uh, for a psychiatric consult. I think you asked an earlier question, which is uh, very important, is is there kind of degrees of PTSD? There's a type of PTSD or subclass, a third of the people who have it, who actually have problems with deep disassociation. They either, at times, things don't seem real to them or they don't feel real. In that category, that third is the ones that go on for a long time if they're not treated. And mm. they're the ones that have the poorer outcomes and more traditional therapy. And in a little while, we need to probably get to how 
what else could we do that has a much higher success rate? Let's, if we may, let's look at that a little bit deeper because I've heard that before where people say that, and and tell me if this is what, where you went with that, where people feel like this is a dream. It just, you know, sometimes doesn't feel real. Uh, is that what you're referring to? Yes, exactly. Wow. And and how would you categorize that? Is that the, an elevated level of PTSD? Is, is that just one of the uh, challenges that somebody might experience with PTSD? We we all disassociate at times, we're, but we're just not aware of it. What I would say is that with this uh, type of patient, their disassociation becomes much more marked and they, they start recognizing that it's happening. And when it happens, it sets in a whole new set of stressors or panics because it's a, it's a feeling they can't control and things don't seem real. Is it a safety mechanism, coping mechanism? Absolutely. Wow. I've heard it. I've heard a lot. People describe that, even friends sometimes going through some stuff um, with anxiety say that it just feels, this just doesn't feel real. I feel like I'm just, you know, dreaming a little bit from time to time. Um, interesting. So what's the process for treating somebody who thinks they, who they know they have anxiety or at that point, they think it might be even, a, you know, something connected to an, uh, trauma and PTSD. What, how does the, the, the treatment process go? Well, the, the key here is getting the person so they can tolerate the distress of the uh, sensations of the fear that comes with the PTSD. So the first thing that when they, they come to me, I give them skills First, to be able to, using relaxation techniques, to be able to relax on command. So this gives them a lot more control over their physical symptoms. They don't, when they're uh, exposed, they don't go to, uh, say, a panic state. But they can, once they start feeling their anxiety really rise, we can stop and they can calm themselves back down. Or we can come back to it a different different day. The, and then what we do is we work on the exposure as it appears in natural life. One of the problems with uh, trauma therapy and EDMR and why I get quite a few patients from other therapists who have engaged in, in that process is because they're, they're only focusing on the trauma. Week after week, trauma, trauma, trauma. Well, this person's got other things going on in their life, and they may have other problems besides the trauma. Maybe at the same time they're dealing with their social anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to uh, moderate how much exposure are you doing at any given time. And we only want to deal with those things that are impacting how you're living today. So this is, again, why it takes a little longer, but why... Uh, have almost 100% success rate uh, with PTSD is because people can stay in therapy. If you're not going to show up because it's too intense, then it's never going to work. And the medication, you're never really changing the behaviors so you can remain triggered uh, at maybe a lesser level. So what we have to do is we have to work through those find out what those triggers are in your day-to-day life and giving you the relaxation techniques 
to manage that. After um, we do some exposure, the next level of mind-body skill is mindfulness. The mindfulness uh, allows you in a lot of ways to tolerate some of the distress as well, but it also starts giving your brain an extra gear to manage your attention. And being able to better manage your attention, you're able to not focus on the things that would make you more and more anxious. And it helps you with the hypervigilance. And particularly if you're having trouble with the disassociation, uh, mindfulness helps ground you and bring you back into reality. So the second, second uh, part of this is is mindfulness. Now, the whole process of retraining your brain from these uh, traumatic events is a little bit longer term, at least six months for most of my clients, mm. maybe uh, a year. And to be able to support someone, we do uh, about 10 to 12 weeks of regular weekly therapy, but then I have a support group for supporting people in the mind-body practices on a weekly basis so they can continue to recover even beyond the, the therapy session. So it goes a little bit longer. I'm going to ask a, a personal question. You've shared a lot of your past, including uh, an accident that you were in, a very impactful accident, and it, it changed your life at that point moving forward. Have you suffered from PTSD yourself? Actually, uh, uh, from the boat accident, absolutely. I had all the... Uh, all the signs of hypervigilance. I was uh, uh, with a bunch of Spanish speaking people in a room and just the confusion of not understanding what was going around me raised my anxiety through the roof. My startle response, I would come up inches off, off the ground, right? Couldn't really tolerate um, the uh, confusion around me. But then, uh, with a couple years of mindfulness, which was suggested by a therapist, all my symptoms went into remission. Wow. Were you doing what you're doing now when that accident took place? Uh, no, I was uh, in computers at the time, but that was starting my journey into these mind-body techniques because I, I understand how traditional trauma therapy didn't work. They call it flooding. They kept trying to get me to re-experience. It would be just an overwhelming and painful experience that I couldn't tolerate. And it wasn't until my therapist shifted to more mind-body techniques and stretched it out a little bit, could I go through the exposure component needed to get on the other side. I appreciate your honesty and, and transparency with that. And you've, you've described it in the past. It involved an explosion. It was your boat. Uh, I can't imagine not going through some type of PSD with a situation like that. Um, and it's, I find it interesting how life takes us on a path. And that, that was a, a path that you were on at the beginning stages of what you're doing now. I have to believe that maybe that opened your eyes to even more so in terms of what therapy counseling, all of everything we're talking about can help somebody. Would you feel it, it kind of worked out that way? Uh, absolutely. Um, I was fortunate that I was in the uh, John Hopkins Burn Center, and they just assumed if uh, you get badly burned, you have PTSD. 
So they have all the tools and resources there to not only take care of you physically, but mentally. It's just a wonderful organization. Can you, a final questions here. Can you suffer from PTSD from some, something that you know, we might think is not, it's impactful, could be a little bit of a trauma, but, but you might not associate it. Like for example, let's say somebody went through a bad divorce, um, a bad breakup. Situations like that, can there be element, elements of PTSD in there? Uh, absolutely, there can be. I think the um, part of the problem with PTSD is even if it was a traumatic event, you're going to have trouble remembering it because the level of stress at that time interferes with making a good memory. So, all you need is a stressful event that is so intense, and it can be vicarious like your friend who watched somebody die, but um, it's so intense that your mind can't make sense out of it. Hmm. And we go, it goes back to what we, we said just a moment ago, that it's a, a safety mechanism. It blocks it out, so you don't have to deal with it, and you, you don't even know that you're potentially doing it, I would believe. Uh, Roger, how do we find you if somebody is suffering from from some major challenges, or maybe they know somebody who is. How do we find you? You can find me at Dr. Levine, D-O-C-T-O-R-L-A-V-I-N-E.com. Thank you so much for today's talk. Uh, I'm glad we, we tackled this topic because there's not a lot out there about it. Um, and uh, I'm, I have to believe that uh, we've inspired some people to at least look at their lives a little bit differently that they may be suffering from uh, PTSD. Thanks again for being here. Have a good day. You too. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Adopt US Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. Your daughter just had her first breakup. Do you A, put yourself in her shoes? How could he do this to you? And for Sheila... She has split ends. B, console her. Oh, sweetie, this is going to happen a lot. Four, maybe five more times before you get married. C, take charge. Got to get this all straightened out. Keep a little talking to, man to man, mano a mano. Hey, Steve. Is now a good time? No? Okay, no problem. Bye. Or D, help her find a new boyfriend. I know a great place to meet boys. The internet. Nice, single boys. Never mind. How about some ice cream? As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council.